TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, two guys at a Mike Show midweek Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago. Thank you so much for joining us. TalkZone.com, the big dog and the coach at your service, or as Curly the Three Stooges would say, at your service. 888-463-6748, that is the phone number. By the way, speaking of the Three Stooges, don't you kid yourself, they're coming at you front and center this summer. Finally, finally, I believe the release of the movie. The Three Stooges of getting a head shake from a David Olson signaling, no, that is not coming out this summer. I thought... No, 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 no. They're uh, finally going to film it oh. after a long delay. Okay. And um, it's not going to be the A-list cast that originally was. That's all right. I don't need an A-list cast. Is Benico Del Toro still part of the production? No. Ah. Neither is Sean Penn. Neither is Jim Carrey. Ah. Jim Carrey was going to play Curly, um, which is an odd combination. I think he was. Not He'd sure. Yeah, I think he was. Put a few was, pounds yeah. on that. All right. Cancel the Three Stooges celebration. They're filming, but not the release. But we're not going to cancel the excitement over the NBA playoffs through the first two games. Maybe as good of an early start to the NBA playoffs as we've ever had. Our Blackhawks here in Chicago still alive in the NHL. And we still got the great talks on music. Yes, indeed. And Joe Rodwanski, the big dog, I can hear you shuffling in the background, my friend. A, welcome to the show. And B, when Ernie Banks said, let's play two, it always sounded good. Let's play two for the Cubs today. In this weather, even Ernie might say, eh, let's rethink it. Let's just play one. You know, all baseball season should start in the south, in the west coast, and in places with domes. And teams like the Padres shouldn't have to come to Chicago in the middle of uh, the spring, because when games get canceled, you have to have double headers the next day mm-hmm. on days that are horrible. Yeah. We, we say the same thing every year. We say it in football, too. Why do the schedule makers, is it that difficult? Is there a reason that the uh, general opinion is not listened to? I, I really don't know, but it's a little bothersome, Coach. All right. Well, I, you know, it's a computer. It is the computer, and I would like uh, a one-on-one sit-down, maybe like uh you know, little Larry King Live, me and the baseball scheduling computer one-on-one because I've got some questions to ask that damn computer that seems to spit out the same garbage year in and year out, including cold weather baseball in spring. Yeah, I don't understand why the first two weeks of the season cannot be played yep. in San Diego and L.A. and San Fran. I know San Fran's a little cold, but April in San Fran is the same temperature as August mm-hmm. in San Fran. Or, or, or how about we're going to go over the Bears schedule, the NFL schedule a little bit later in the show. How about the Bears at Tampa Bay in September, and then Tampa Bay comes to visit the Bears in the middle of December. Go figure. Well, uh, they don't play them twice, and when they play Tampa Bay this year, they'll be in London. Ah, Wembley Stadium. Lovely that time of year, by the way. October 10th. I've already... Yeah, and, uh... And the Bears are one of the few teams that actually Tampa doesn't sell out any games unless the Bears are in town or mm-hmm. the Cowboys. So they pick. Now, obviously, uh, Glazer, the guy who owns the Bucks, 
owns part of Manchester United, so he wants American football in London. That's why Tampa Bay is always one of the teams that go to, to England, Coach. Mm-hmm. So why do they pick the Bear game, the one that they know they're going to sell out anyways? Why can't they take the Lions, who nobody goes to the games anyways? Well, they're trying to give the uh, fine folks in uh, London, fine folks in um in Britain, uh, in England, I should say, you know, the best of football. Maybe they didn't want to show them the Detroit Lions, bring over the Chicago Bears. I took it as a compliment to our Chicago Bears 2011. Yeah, forget the compliment to our team. What about the pain in the neck? Pain in the neck. They'll, they'll fly first class. They'll stay in fine hotels. They'll be wine and dined uh, United Kingdom style. Nothing to worry about for the Chicago Bears. And you and me, big dog, can have a little uh, tea. Little hot tea and maybe a little strawberries and cream in the morning watching Bear versus Tampa Bay. Well, they would be tea and crumpets. Yeah, I'm not a big crumpet fan. Crumpets are highly overrated. You don't even know what a crumpet is, Coach. I absolutely know what a crumpet is. It's kind of a, a, a crouton without the seasoning. Oh, isn't it more like a cookie? Could be. Or a cracker? <laughs> We had scintillating baked potato discussion on Monday, which David Olson, by the way, featured in our archive blog. I checked that out yesterday. Outstanding. I don't know how good Monday's show was, uh, Big Dog, but our baked potato discussion was uh, got rave reviews. Maybe we can do the same with crumpets today. You know, it's really too bad that we did that show on Monday and not yes. today because yesterday Uh-oh. I actually watched a special on the History Channel okay. about the potato. <laughs> the history I, of the so potato? I, you know, we really could have made that discussion much more interesting if we would have waited a couple of days, Coach. Did you find out all about the potato famine in Ireland in the 19-whatevers? Yeah, it, it, basically it was because uh, the potatoes were starting to rot way too early for some reason. It'll happen every once in a while. Yes. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't want to get too personal or anything. The one question I did not ask you Monday that I probably should have, and again, if I'm getting too personal, feel free to let me know. But before eating them, before cooking them, do you personally scrub your baked potato i scrub it you do yeah i scrub my potato with the uh, a regular scrub or do you have a particular potato specific scrubber uh no i just do it barehanded coach barehanded yeah sometimes wow. soap, sometimes lotion wow <laughs> oh goodness big dog i'm gonna Guess by the uh, tone in the background that you are not in your telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. No, I'm in a little bit of a predicament as we speak. Uh-oh. A pickle? Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it is a pickle. All right. And where, uh, paint a picture, and please do not get run over by a train as you almost did about a month ago. It was good for ratings, but bad for your health. Yeah, that will not happen again today, Coach. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. But pretty soon I'm going to have to... Uh, Get back on the bike and ride for a little bit, and get off the show for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Where so, where are you? Right now, I'm on Indian Trail Road, <laughs> heading west, walking. But I have my bike with me, so I'm about to get on the bike, and I'm about to have to cross some railroad tracks. And at that minute, I'm going to have to hang up. And you have to do the show by yourself. We, I think I could speak for most of the listeners out there. As much as we love having you on, Big Dog, we want you to be safe. Anytime you got to check out for a few minutes, feel free to do so. Me and David Olson can talk three stooges for the rest of the show. Okay, then give me five minutes and I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Big Dog signing off our phone number if you want to check in, folks, and uh, play the part of the Big Dog. The co-host seat is open at 888-463-674. Yes, David.
I wouldn't be too excited about the whole Three Stooges thing. Uh, I was, because, you know, I'm a huge well, no, it Three was, Stooges. It was, it was, gonna, it was gonna be a huge production. Yep. You know, A-list actors and everything, uh, not so much anymore. Now it looks like they're just going to get the movies done, movie done. Ah, that's too bad. Because it's still the Farrelly brothers who did something about Mary okay. and Dumb and Dumber and uh-huh. all those other things, but, like, right now the cast is, uh, Will Hayes. Are Sean Hayes from Will and Grace, mm-hmm. and then Will ah. Sasso from M- from uh, Mad TV. Ah. Yeah, so it, it's not looking too good. Yeah, well, you know, again, it doesn't bother. And I'm a huge Three Stooges fan. I'm a Three Stooges historian. I think I'm possibly the only one in the country. I got three or four books at home. I haven't read them lately, so I need to brush up on my uh, Three Stooges trivia. Big Shemp fan, by the way, for anybody keeping score out there. But, um. I don't care if you know if you don't get a Sean Penn or some of the big stars. I, I can handle some unknown names as long as they put some love and some thought into the making of the movie. There's been many great movies that have been done surprisingly without some big names. Right, but you're going into subject matter or characters that are really established, and it's like big big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're already going in there. Being compared to the originals, okay. which you, you, you're not going to be able to top that. Yeah, and if you go down, if you're doing C-list actors in there, mm-hmm. you know it's just got bomb written all over it. The guy who played Curly and was it a made-for-TV movie about the Three Stooges was the guy who's played in a couple of detectives. Michael, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, Michael Chiklis. Amazing actor. Thought he did pretty good. That was like a made-for-TV, right? Yeah, that was a made-for-TV yeah, thing. Which, yeah. And it was more it was more or less a behind-the-scenes story than yep. it was, you know, the wild antics of the Three Stooges, mm-hmm. which is what this movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. But it's still going to be a biography of the Three Stooges, right? No, no, it's no, I don't think oh, so. Oh, just the pure comedy? I think it's just oh, going to be the pure comedy. Oh, that's not as good. If I want the pure comedy, I can watch the Three I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be like a documentary. I or, don't think so. Interesting. I don't think so. Interesting. All right, what the Farrelly brothers are into it, it can't be all bad. But anyhow, uh, we'll get the big dog back in just a little bit. He's riding the bicycle out there. Three Stooges movie coming out. Very, very exciting. Curly, I will say, by the way, David Olson, I do think the most talented comedian of all time. The stuff that he did, there's no script writer. Cannot possibly be a script writer. And if there was, then that script writer is the greatest script writer of all time that could write some of the stuff that Curly did. Completely nuts. Part of it for TV, part of it in actuality, completely nuts. And, by the way, Curly, a, um, off the screen, he was a um, quite a drinker, quite a womanizer. He was a, definitely a um, frat boy party man, was Curly Howard. Huh. We'll see who plays that part. Jim Carrey, that would have been really fascinating to see how he would have picked up on that It's role. Will Sasso is playing. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't watch Will and Grace, so I'm not sure about no, that. No, 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 he's the guy from Mad TV. I don't watch Mad TV either, so it doesn't help me out. Any potential for a Will Sassel? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not great, huh? His, it, I'm on there, the official website now. His film credits include Ernest Goes to School. Ah, who could forget it? Happy Gilmore. Love it. And Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> now, Happy Gilmore was pretty good. What, what part did he play on Happy Gilmore? Absolutely no idea. Okay. Absolutely no idea. I don't remember him in Happy Gilmore either. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, at least they're in production. I'm very, very excited about that. I'm probably a party of one, 
But uh, at least I am personally excited. 888-463-6748, the phone number. If you aren't excited about the making of the Three Stooges movie and you are a sports fan, hopefully, hopefully, if you're not fully over the top, you're starting to get excited about the NBA playoffs. Awfully good. Through the first couple of games, and folks, I hate to remind you, we are only in round one of the NBA playoff. This is like a... uh, well, it's not a 26.2-mile marathon, Boston Marathon, just completed Monday, by the way. But this is like an eight-mile run. you got to pace yourself, and we are two games into it. We are in like the first half a lap of 32 laps that would be the eight-mile run, and it, it's awfully good. Both or All these teams are coming out in the dead sprint. I don't know if we're going to have anything left for the championship game, but good stuff across the board yesterday. Orlando evens out their series. There's been upsets which is kind of nice to see. There's been a dramatic comebacks, dramatic games, some including our very own Chicago Bulls, who've been brilliant down the stretch, last four minutes of each game. Prior to that, they've been uh, quite mundane. And then last night, the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics. Wow, what a classic. Great, great ball game. And Kevin Garnett, the agent one, came up with a couple of great plays late in the game. And the New York Knicks um, go down to defeat once again, dramatic fashion, Boston Wins by three points, 96-93. But the New York Knicks and with Amari Stoudemire out with an injured back. I think he played maybe a quarter and a half, but he played like, uh, you know, he played like Grandpa Stoudemire. Couldn't jump, could barely move, finally removed himself out of the game. So their superstar, one of their two sits out. Chauncey Billups, their third best player, he's out for the entire game. And the New York Knicks are on the road taking on the crazed Boston Celtics. In, I was going to say the Boston Gardens, but it's not the Boston Gardens anymore, whatever they call it, Red Auerbach Arena. They should name it after Red Auerbach, even though he didn't spend $5 million sponsoring it. But uh, the Celtics find a way to win the game. The Knicks stay in it. Carmelo Anthony, absolutely unbelievable. 42 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists. They were double-teaming the guy. They were triple-teaming the guy. Carmelo Anthony, sensational, kept this team in the ballgame. 42 and a 17. Hits a couple of big shots down the stretch. Late in the game, though, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, the agent one, he hits a, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a hook shot or a turnaround jumper was part hook, part turnaround, a little soft floating seven footer big shot. And then down came the Celtics after the timeout call and double team on Carmelo Anthony. Made the great read. Made the great read, made a beautiful pass down low to Jared Jeffries. Jared Jeffries, he's getting criticized right now for not shooting the ball. He made a good play. He caught the ball down on the low post. We got any NBA fans who watch the game want to comment on the NBA playoffs. The big dog will be back in a couple of minutes. Co-host seat is wide open for you. Triple eight. 463-6748, the phone number. Got 888-463-6748, the phone number. But Jared Jeffries, the, um, kid out of Indiana getting a lot of criticism. Should have gone up with the pad. No, if you watch the replay, his teammate is diving down the lane opposite side. Would have been a beautiful little bounce pass, probably for the game winner, and he'd be being credited for it. But Kevin Garnett, who made the big play on the offensive end, gets his long wingspan of the way, makes a great little tip of the pass, grabs the ball, calls timeout, Celtics ball, game over. He makes a great offensive play, and then he makes the game-winning defensive play. KG, Kevin Garnett coming up big. That was good. That was good stuff. Celtics and New York Knicks yesterday, and again, we're not talking Eastern Conference Finals here. We're not talking Game 7 of the, uh, you know, even a first or second round matchup. We're talking Game 2 
of a first round matchup. Long way to go, but that was uh that was good theater last night. Dallas knocked off Portland. Didn't see that ball game one hundred one to eighty nine. Orlando beat Atlanta even up that series, eighty eight, eighty two. That looks like it's gonna go the full distance. Two very even teams. Orlando uh, led again by Dwight Howard. I think what would he have? A day one? Forty six points, nineteen rebounds. I mean it looks like Atlanta's strategy is to let Dwight Howard have pretty much whatever he wants. Give a little bit to Shamir Nelson and shut everybody else down. Not a bad strategy. Not bad. Worked in game one, did not work in game two. J.J. Redick, he can fill it up a little bit too, but uh, Dwight Howard at 33 points, 19 rebounds last night, and the Orlando Magic win the ball game. So good stuff in the NBA playoffs course here in Chicago. Our beloved Bulls have to wait until tomorrow. In these long, drawn-out playoffs, they'll take on uh, Indiana Canseco Fieldhouse game three of that playoff matchup. The Bulls have been pretty good so far. Again, 888-463-6748. You want to talk some NBA playoffs? We can do that over in the NHL. The Hawks are still alive. Blackhawks are still alive. They win the ball game 7-2. to 7-2. Again, I did not watch too much of that. Caught a few little highlights and flipped back and forth, but uh, just a little bit of that particular game. But the Hawks come back, I guess, with six consecutive goals. They scored four in the second period. So that's uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, whether they can do some damage now and put the pressure on the Vancouver team, we will see. But at least they won that particular game. All right, we got the big dog, Joe Redwanski, back on the phone. Dog, are you uh, are you by hand, by foot, like the Pony Express? How are you delivering the mail today? Oh, I'm I'm uh, pedaling, coach. Pedaling. I got myself a brand new giant Sedona. Got a really good price for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so uh, I'm just going home. <laughs> oh, you still there? What's up? What's up, coach? All right. So now you're you're heading home. You said yes. Most of us off to work. You, I, I hesitate to say this. We are America's number one family sports show. But where are you heading home from? Getting the bicycle, coach. Oh, you just bought the bicycle. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I got to tell you something, Coach. This has uh, been a scintillating show so far. <laughs> You're heading home after getting the board. Where were you, work or were you sleeping no, down? I, no, I'm going home so I can, I'm meeting all my friends there because we're actually doing my backyard and finishing the fence. Ah, So I picked the bike up. Fascinating. Fascinating conversation. Yes, we, I agree. We can move on. The Blackhawks come back. We're going to get back to the NBA playoffs. I was talking about that. We were want to get to some baseball too. An unbelievable doubleheader coming up in Chicago today. But real quick, big dog. The Hawks live for another day. Uh, you know, some people saying it's an insignificant win. I would argue you win this one, and if you can win the first one in Vancouver, if it's a big if, but if you yeah. can. All of a sudden, the noose around the neck starts to get tight for Vancouver. All of a sudden, it's a series, and you have all the momentum. Obviously, Vancouver is still a game away from clinching, no matter which way you look at it. But uh, it is pretty cool to know that, uh, you, I mean, they're the Stanley Cup champs. They've knocked Vancouver out. If they can somehow steal game five, mm-hmm. the, uh, not only is it a series, I really do think the Hawks will end up winning it. So mm-hmm. we'll see. 
Yeah, the key is going to be, and the pressure's not on Vancouver yet, and I'm sure they'd love to celebrate in front of their own fans, but the key is to uh, win that next game. It's not going to be easy. Vancouver still has the momentum for the most part. Interesting, uh, the Blackhawks got Dave Bolin back, big dog, and he's he's one of those pieces from last year. He's not a star, but it, it just seemed to energize the team, and the guy came up with, what, a goal and three assists. So one guy definitely gave the Blackhawks some juice yesterday. Oh, without a doubt, you're exactly right. Dave Boland gave them some really quality ice time, uh, not just the points, but also just the overall play and, you know, getting in the corner and, you know, and uh, getting the puck, which is what he's known for. And it seemed like the Hawks had much more control of the puck than they typically do last night. Mm-hmm. All right. So far in the series. Four goals, second period. We'll see if the Hawks can continue that. I didn't catch it, but one team. Last night was down four goals and came back and won. Do you know it's reactionary sports talk radio? Do you know which team that was, dog? No, I, I do not know, Coach. All right, we got to check that out. we got to check that out. That was in the ESPN Top Ten highlights. Very, very impressive. Down four goals, came back and won. Also, by the way, Big Dog, did you see ESPN's Top Ten for the day? No, I have not, but I was going to watch it at noon today. Fastest soccer goal in the history, in the history of professional soccer. I have seen it. Is that the new number one? Did it finally beat out Anthony Robles? Well, it didn't even make number one today. It, it was didn't? it was today's number two highlight. Unbelievable! That's that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, this is the one where they're they're talking to the referee. The referee steps back. The player tips it to his teammate. Teammate fires a shot, catches the goalie unaware, and it goes. Uh, what would you call that? The uh, the four hole. <laughs> the four hole. It was, it was upper right, upper right 90, right? What, what is upper right? I keep getting confused on that. I don't know, Coach. You got the one hole, two hole, three hole. The five hole is right between the goalie's pads, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that's the four hole, but I could be wrong. Depends if you're going clockwise or unclockwise. Depends if you're on daylight savings time. But either way, that was a sensational play, and it wasn't even the number one play of the day, Big Doug. Go figure. Uh, Coach, it really should be. The guy talked about how the goalie was warming up. Like jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, hey, maybe I can catch the goalie, you know, like while he's jumping up and down doing his warm up. Mm-hmm. And he blasted it. It was 3.2 seconds after the start of the game, mm-hmm. which you can't get any faster. No. No, maybe they had a scouting report. Maybe they had a scouting report from some advanced scout who watched the goalie and, hey, at the start of the game, you know, while the tip off is coming. When the ball's about to be kicked, this goalie's doing his little uh, acrobatics and his warm-up. Yeah, let's catch him by surprise. Yeah, that's what he was doing. He was doing, like, the jump and have his knees touch his chest deal. And uh, while he's doing that, the ball's flying over his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the fun. way, don't try that at home. And don't try that in your local AYSO field because that's a hell of a kick. you got to have a strong leg to put that puppy in the four-hole backside of the net. Oh, absolutely. Was that about 54 yards in the air, Coach? Mm-hmm. That would be correct. Speaking of strong legs, how the legs holding up your hamstrings, uh, pushing that bicycle okay? No, Coach, I'm going uphill into uh, the wind, oh. one-handed on the phone. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm not a big fan of bicycle. Uh, well, I'm sort of a fan of bicycle, but I will tell you. I don't know if you bicycle, David Olson. Bicycling uphill is as tough a cardiovascular burn as you're ever going to get. Uphill into the wind is yeah. brutal. Wouldn't you agree with me, though, Big Dog? There, there's very few cardiovascular burns like the uphill bike ride. Yes, that's why uh, I try to go places where I'm going downhill most of the time. Yeah, well, that usually means I don't get to go home. Well, I was going to say, welcome to the two guys in a mic show. 
Um, now, on the other hand, on the other hand, as we stick with the bicycle theme here, Big Dog, there's very few things as effusive, as euphoric, as delightful as getting to the top of the hill and going downhill for an easy ride on a bike. That's a beautiful thing with the wind in your face. Oh, absolutely. Even if the wind's in your face, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you, is this a two-wheeler? Do you have a female in back of you and or, and or in front of you? No, just, it's a regular giant Sedona, Coach. Ah, that's too bad. If you did have a two-wheeler, or if you went motorcycle, Big Dog, would you prefer to have the female in the front driving with you hanging on, or would you rather be driving with her hanging on? I would rather be driving with her hanging on. Interesting. Very interesting. Just a preference. All right. I will, I will have our station psychologist sum all of that up, and uh, we'll have a report back to you in about 20 seconds. Uh, our, our station uh, psychologist has been busy with Chris Whitting for the last two months. There's a lot, to, believe me, there, there's a lot of jobs you can be busy with. Talkzone.com psychologist, there's no lack of work. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> David Olson was one of the few people who did not need a psychologist, our producer. He was, uh, you know, solid family man, very... Uh, very uh, uh, coherent, very of sound psychological base. This is about a year and a half ago, Big Dog. After working with us a year and a half, I'm not going to say he's completely broke down, but you can clearly see some chinks in the armor. Well, I, I think he's came up pretty strong. He's doing a lot better job than Kevin the Swap Haran yeah. ended up looking like. Who could he basically, man. yeah, he, he had a complete meltdown. He was like the Wicked Witch of the West when he had water thrown on him. But uh, I almost enjoy, <laughs> I <clears throat> excuse me, I almost enjoy the work on David Olson a little bit better because we're chipping away at it. It's like chopping at a tree. You know, if you're looking up top, you don't notice the difference. But we know what's going on down below. And at some point, that tree will fall, big dog. I don't care if it takes us three, four years. We will make David Olson break, our producer. <laughs> it's kind of like erosion, <laughs> Coach, one drip at a time. Oh, goodness. Speaking of amazing big doll, the Major League Baseball, Chicago Cubs, National League Ball Club have scheduled a double header for today. You're outside right now. You know how insanely cold it is. Can you imagine? Let's play two, two games today. Yeah, I can't imagine these guys that get paid you about, you know, $50,000 a ball game having to come out here and actually play a game. It would be horrible. I can't even imagine. <laughs> okay, I get your point. I get your point. I feel your wrath. We got um, uh, Matt Garza pitching in game one, and then we're throwing out James Russell in game two. He's up to 70 pitches, taking on San Diego. You'd think the Padres, big dog, maybe not used to the cold weather. It could be. If the Cubs have as much bravado as you think they do, it could be a good day for the beloved Cubs. Yeah, I'm hoping so, and hopefully they could uh, steal a win or two. But in order to get two wins and to make sure that they don't get thrown under the bus the rest of the week, it's really important that Matt Garza pitches at least seven or eight innings today. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have to kill the bullpen. And James Russell, remember when we we asked him to give us three innings last last start? Yep. He really does have to give give the Cubs at least three innings today, Coach. In a doubleheader, you can't have your your pitcher getting knocked out in the middle of the second inning. That is unacceptable. Yeah, it is. And I remember criticizing you for saying you're going to limit them to only three innings. Not limit. We were, they were hoping to get three yeah. out of them. Yeah, and I, I gave you a hard time about that. We come back the next day and find that he pitched, what, an inning and two-thirds? Yeah, inning and two-thirds. Yeah. And, he, and, he sh- and he should have been taken yep. out before then. Yep. Well, yeah, you're right. The bullpen, uh, underrated part of managing, very underrated, is the handling of the bullpen. And Mike Quade and uh, who's our new pitching coach, is it uh, – 
Mark, don't call me John Riggins. That's right, Coach. Okay. Um, by this way, speaking of pitching, the San Diego Padres are going to be throwing out Dustin Mosley and Aaron Harang. I think most of our listeners are well aware of Aaron Harang, but uh, Ronnie Santo, if you could, even though you're on a bicycle, tell us about the 120 starting pitcher for San Diego, Mr. Dustin Mosley. It's not a noon start, Coach? Could be. I think it's 120. I think it's 120. Okay, so normally, yeah, because it isn't a scheduled doubleheader. I guess that's why they're doing it. Uh, well, Justin Mosley loves run support, even though he doesn't get any. He likes to work quickly, Coach. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he likes to keep hitters off balance. Interesting. He loves to work ahead in the count. Really? Does he yeah. like to? Does he like to keep the ball down low? Oh, he loves to keep it low in the zone, Coach. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. Justin Mosley has an ERA of like 1.2, Coach, somewhere Uh-oh. in that area. I don't know what it is exactly, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have a win yet this season because in his three starts, the Padres have scored zero runs. That's not good. So. uh Who's ever starting today in the Mosley game for the Cubs? Is that Garza or Russell? Matt Garza. Well, Matt Garza can throw a shutout today. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think the San Diego hitters will try to make up for that. I'll uh, transition over to our south side team. White Sox pitcher who's been having about the same amount of luck as our uh, compatriot today, Mr. Dustin Mosley, is John Danks. has really pitched well all season long, big dog. White Sox lose yesterday 2-1. to one. John Danks very good again. I think his ERA is... Three, maybe 2.98. He doesn't have a win for the season. The White Sox won't hit for him. Sox lose two to one yesterday to Tampa Bay. No reason to panic, says Ozzie Guillen. What says Joel Radwanski? Uh, no reason to panic. You never panic in April. I mean, really, come on. And the White Sox are notoriously slow starters. But you also don't want to get buried either. So uh, just John Dex needs to keep his head up. You know, maybe later on in the year he'll have a couple bad games and the offense will pick him up. So, mm-hmm. all right, James Shields, I believe the um, it was a Jamie Shields too, wasn't there? But I think it was James Shields pitching yesterday for Tampa Bay. He was awfully good. Complete game, nine strikeouts, one walk, only gave up four hits. Adam Dunn, big dog, and again, uh, I'm going to assume your response is no panic. He'll come around, but in a brutal slump, something like two for twenty-three, struck out three times yesterday, but. Uh, as you paddle uphill, I'm assuming you're going to tell me no reason to panic. Well, you know what, Coach? Now, I'm not going to say that because you never know. A lot of times these guys that, you know, in the first year of a contract, especially with a new team, a lot of players fall flat on their face. So if if you're Kyle Crawford, if you're, if you're Adam Dunn, I don't think the typical you know what you're going to get out of them when the year is done, they'll be almost exactly where, they, where you expect them to be at. For those guys, not with new teams, you never know. Sometimes there's a lot of first-year flops for teams that for players that switch teams, coach. Okay, so there is some 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 fear factor with Adam Dunn. That would not be good. I'm sure Jerry Reinsdorf in his pocketbook would uh, feel the pain of that one. Let me throw this at you in the uh, panic or not panic range. Gordon Beckham started off the season very very well. He's in a one for eighteen slump. I will say some of the hits he's had. They've actually been pretty solid, and defenders have made good catches. But uh, Beckham okay, or do you think we got problems with Gordy Beckham, our two-stick? You know what? I, I really do think the White Sox have problems with Beckham. Uh-oh. It's because he's never proven he could hit. Besides, uh, for a real short time his rookie year, he has struggled ever since then, Coach. He has never hit with some consistency. So I thought Gordon Beckham was going to be the next coming of Mr. Baseball in this city. So mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised. He hasn't panned out, but since he never has had even a full half where he was really good, I would say as a White Sox fan, 
not worried, but maybe to, he comes to the conclusion that he's never going to be an all-star. He's uh-huh. just going to be a decent player. Okay. All right. I don't know if I'm going that far yet to make that assumption. you got to remember, he's still a young kid, too. Uh, coming out of college, they didn't he make it to the pros right off the bat? Yeah, he did. He uh, The next year after being drafted, he was yeah. he was up playing Major League Baseball coach. Uh-huh. Then again, then, then again, there's no such thing as a college graduate who's a young kid. If you stay and play four years of college ball, which I think Gordy Beckham did. Yeah, he played three years at Georgia. All right, throw well, right off the bat, that doesn't make you a young kid because you're three years older than the, the high school draftee who, uh-huh. you know, many teams go for as well. So, you know, you're almost, you're almost an aged veteran if you graduate college and go to the major leagues. <laughs> hey, speaking well, yeah. of which, one of our emailers wants to know, Big Doug, do you have any info on, uh, Washington Nationals superstar pitcher? Steven Strasburg, I know we know he got hurt last year. Haven't heard anything about him, any update, as the big dog continues to bicycle uphill. Yeah, uh, he is doing absolutely phenomenal Wow! Uh, from the Tommy John surgery. Woo! And, uh, you know, he's been throwing off, a, off the mound. Technically, he probably would be ready to pitch this year. Mm-hmm. But most likely they're not going to because I doubt the Nationals are going to be pitching to get into the playoffs come you know, September 20th this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, it looks like everything's going to be okay. And and uh, the Mr. Baseball of Washington, Steven Strasburg, looks like he's going to be okay. all right. All right. Because I, I got scared. I haven't heard anything about him. I thought, well, you know, he's going to be another one of those phenomenal players. And he certainly looked like, uh, you know, he had superstardom written all over him, gets injured. You don't hear from him again. But uh, medical specialist Joe Edwanski telling us that uh, he's on the comeback trail. Chance we will hear from him this year, or is it going to be next year? It, uh, it's going to be next year, Coach. They they actually said he could pitch, you know, because it'll be like 14 months if, if, if it's in September. Mm-hmm. And but they, I mean, that's really highly unlikely. So he's throwing a ball now, though, which is uh, a little earlier than scheduled. So the the Nationals are pretty happy about it. So I would expect him to be in the rotation. Next April, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. About a year from now. Totally All right. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that outstanding analysis. By the way, we, I don't know, just get off track a little bit. Our medical people here in the two guys in a Mike Sports Show, Big Deal. We have not been able to get a hold of Dr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-oh. Who was our end. So we have at least temporarily, we're not writing off Dr. Schwarzenegger. Because, you know, he's a long-term, long-time guy. We're, we're, we, the two of us are very loyal. But Dr. Drake Deltoid is at least in the interim. Dr. Drake Deltoid taking over for Schwartz and Needle and giving us some medical advice. I did that without your permission. Hopefully you don't mind. Drake Deltoid, huh? Dr. Drake Deltoid. The guy sounds pretty official. I don't know. I haven't even met the guy, but he's given us some good information. Uh, speaking of which, one more medical question for you, big dog. And if we can, we'll ask Dr. Deltoid about this too. Jake Peavy. Jerry Reinsdorf would like to know. Reinsdorf listening to the show probably. He wants to know, Jake Peavy, is is this the beginning of the end, or is there a chance Peavy can come back and actually help the Chicago White Sox? You heard what happened a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, he might be able to come back, but help is a totally different thing. We're talking about the, the White Sox actually have legitimate American League championship uh, aspirations. I don't think he can help them in that, in that sense, Coach. No. Hmm. Too bad. I guess, I guess that goes down, Big Dog, is one of those um, roll-the-dice gambles. That yeah. It, yeah. Ju- it's just not going to pay off. Uh, there, I think there's still like a 10% chance you could get. And you could imagine this year's White Sox team, if they start hitting, 
And if, and that's not such a, a rare if, that's probably going to happen. And yeah, they're going to hit, Coach. If Jake Peavy were to come back and be the kind of pitcher he were for the San Diego Padres, now you're talking a ball club that could challenge the Yankees for the American League superiority. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they would challenge the Red Sox. They can challenge pretty much anybody. Uh, <laughs> I just can't imagine Jake Peavy being healthy this year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shown, he hasn't proven at all that he's no, been healthy. No, so, I mean, you can't expect anything out of him. All right, baseball fans, medical specialists, or two guys that are Mike fans. If you're any one of the above, if you're all three, seek help. If you're all three, seek help. But if you're one or two of those three, we're right here for you. Dial it up, big dog and a coach at your service, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. One of our, uh, Rather sarcastic White Sox fans, Big Dog, emails into us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com and says, one good thing about the Sox six-game losing streak is they haven't had to rely on a closer. This is true. I uh, I feel for White Sox fans a little bit mm-hmm. because uh, you have a really good team, and if, if the closer is your issue, it can get really ugly. Because yeah. uh, I remember the Cubs had a pretty decent team in the early aughts, and they were dependent on Rick Aguilera, coach. Oh boy! Oh, that was ugly. I thought I thought you were going to go back even deeper into the uh, Mel Rojas era. Well, luckily, they really sucked when they had Mel Rojas. So the fact that the closer was bad—that uh-huh. was the difference between, hey, we could have finished in fourth place instead of fifth. Uh-huh. You know, so that doesn't hurt as bad. But okay. when it's the difference between first and second. Those really hurt, Coach. But you're right, Mel Rojas is the worst ever in the history of the Cubs. By the way, I just got an involuntary twitch on my right side, the same one I had for the two years that Latroy Hawkins was the closer for the Chicago Cubs. Oh, that, he had great control, though, Coach. He was usually <laughs> up 0-2 when he gave up the homer. Yeah, tremendous control. If you're tremendous. a hitter, he had great control right over the big, fat part of the plate. Yes, it was, it was lovely. Oh, goodness. All right. Uh, other baseball news from yesterday. How you doing, Big Day? You okay on the bike here? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm walking again, but at least oh, I'm off the road. Ah, oh, you're back on. All right, you took all the fun out of it. I was picturing you still bicycling up this giant hill. Well, I'm walking up that giant hill right now. Okay, I was waiting for you to come down. Uh, Baltimore knocked off Minnesota yesterday, 11 to nothing. Big dog, eight game losing streak is over. You and me disagree on this one. You think Minnesota is going to come back? I think this is a year, Minnesota. You might as well just write the. It's April, but I'm writing them off right now. Wow. Yep. Well, yeah, you know, I'm starting to get that feeling too, coach. I yeah. think you were you were right. Yep. Uh, the fact that they really don't have a closer right now, Done. and for some reason, I mean, if Carl Pavano is your best pitcher, I mean, he's a good number four, but mm-hmm. they they have issues. Nick yeah. Blackburn and all Glenn Perkins. I mean, they're not that good. Well, and also their star player, the franchise, one of the best in the major leagues, Joe Mauer, starting to show signs of early breakdown. What did they list his injury as? Bilateral leg weakness. Did you see that injury report? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's like old man injury. Yes. That's something that, like, you know, you, you think Luke Appling had or something like that. <laughs> and, and then also, like, their best hitter, Justin Morneau, yes. hasn't hit a lick nope. so far this year. Yep. And, you know, it's kind of important for him to get off to a decent start because, you know, he's coming off a concussion injury, Coach. Yeah. They're done. You know, it's... uh They are cooked. This is just going to be a rare, rare... Uh, they'll be back. Next year, they'll be back better than ever. This should be a rare off year. If Ron Gardenhire, the manager of the Twins, is listening to this particular program, enjoy May through August. Uh, go on, have a few cocktails, relax, enjoy. Just It's an off year for the Minnesota Twins. You can write them off. You heard it here but, first. But don't do the Lou Pinella 
So continue to shave and tuck your shirt in when you're in the dugout. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. I'm so yeah, upset that, about yeah. that as a Cub fan. That was not a pretty sight, literally or figuratively. Trust me, I understand why the man drank. Because as a Cub fan, you know, sometimes you need to. Uh-huh. And who's a bigger fan than the actual manager? You know, but if you are the manager, don't come in reeking a gin every single day. Uh-huh. So, By the way, you know, I did hear the replacement for uh, Lou Piniella, and it was Lou's third base coach, Mike Quade. He was doing a, uh, a little talk discussion thing at one of the local bars yesterday. Uh-huh. This guy, and you watch him in the dugout, Big Dog, and you get one view of him. Kind of a strange-looking dude, but, boy, you listen to him talk. He is as affable, as personable as any manager, any coach we've had in this city is in a long, long time. Great personality. He's got the uh, everyday guy mentality, but he's very effusive, and he uh, he just sits down and has a beer with you and just starts chomping away. Really, really likable guy. Yeah, you know, I totally agree with you, Coach. In his press conferences, he actually answers the questions. Yes. Which is uh, it's, it's so rare. I mean, Isaac Gann typically does it. But, you know, Isaac Gann also kind of puts the, I'm a, I'm a wild man, badass, and I know more about baseball than you type of attitude <laughs> uh-huh. in it, where Mike Quade, you know, it's like you ask a smart baseball question, he gives you a smart baseball answer. Absolutely. So, yeah, I like the guy. You and me used to keep a list of uh, top ten uh, guys that we like to go out partying with, Big Dog and the Coaches, top ten cocktail list, if you will. Uh-huh. I- I'm putting Mike Quade in there. I-, I wouldn't mind having a few rounds with him. Quade is in my top 50. I don't know if he's in my top ten. He's moving I up. I, have, I-, I, would- I-, I don't know if I'm about to move uh, – a uh, Yuna Kim or a Zhang Zhizhi for him. Well, I was, uh, yeah, Zhang, Zhang who? Zhang Zhizhi. Who's that? I don't know, Coach. It's, it's, it's <laughs> awfully nice, though. She's awfully good. All right. Have, you, we, see, have you seen Hero? Uh, no. Okay. She's in that. If we take um, females out of it, if we took females out of it, then... Well, he'd probably be number one. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. He did tell one story yesterday that was a classic. The guy asked him, um, have you ever gone Lou Pinilla? You know, have you ever gone totally just, you know, completely bizarre? He related a couple stories with umpires back in his minor league days. One in particular is yelling and screaming, goes back to the dugout, throws the baseballs out. You know, the whole kit and caboodle, right? Uh-huh. You know, he's throwing everything around, you know. And then he says the final thing he did is he steps out of the dugout and he goes to grab the Gatorade jug. Uh-huh. And he said either he was a lot stronger than he thought or the Gatorade jug was a lot lighter than he thought. I picked up this thing very good, and he went discus sale, you know, spun around like three times, fires the Gatorade jug out onto the field. Except the only problem was there wasn't Gatorade, and there's the minor leagues, and they're a little bit low budget. It was all the dirty laundry and dirty uniforms from the day before. So all these jerseys and pants come flying out of the Gatorade jug for Coach Mike Quade. <laughs> uh. yeah. Oh, that's good. He, he said he went that's from good. tirade and he started cracking up, and I think the umpire did too. Without question, the greatest tirade in the history of Chicago sports, and I, I challenge anybody to top this one, was former White Sox manager Terry Beving, <laughs> Terry Bevington in Seattle, uh-huh. runs out and starts screaming at the umpire about how he blew the call. <laughs> and the umpire is like, Terry. I called it for the White Sox. Yes. Oh, you did? Oh, great. And he turns around and walks right back into the dugout. So he was arguing a, a call that went for the White Sox. Yeah, I do. Manager. That's a true story, Coach. Yes. Yeah, impossible for any fan to pick up at the time. But when you heard about it afterwards, it was absolutely hilarious, right? We didn't know at the time that, that 
Like, why is he out there screaming at the umpire? And the umpire was like, oh, are you serious? So, I mean, the umpire was like, really? Oh, he even had, I remember the umpire had a smile on his face like, oh, my, yeah. you really look like a Jamoke oh, right now. Goodness, Terry Bevy, he was good for some... He was good for a lot of stories. Of course, the most famous one besides that one, the time when he strolled out to the mound like his favorite major league manager and raised the right arm, signaled for the right-hander, and then looked over the bullpen. Only one problem. There was nobody warming up. No. That was good. That was very, very good, Terry Bevington. Quality guy. By the way, um, they came out yesterday. I know you're a big mascot guy. And I kind of make the transition from Terry Bevington, who was a bit of a mascot as a manager for the White Sox. They came out with a fan favorite poll, I think based on a oh, Forbes magazine. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know. I don't know if that's a true cross section, but Forbes magazine favorite most popular mascot, the San Diego Chicken, has finally been dethroned. Big Dog. Any the guess Philly who might? Fanatic. That's it. Wow, the Philly Fanatic has finally passed the San Diego Chicken. Yep. Rightfully so, too. Yep. I would agree. Well, that should have happened about three, four years ago. Yeah, easily. easily San Diego. One could argue the San Diego chicken has been living on reputation. <laughs> By the way, a shocking third place and a surprising seventh place finish. Surprising seventh place for a local Chicago favorite, Benny the Bull. By the way, the current Benny the Bull is incredible. Yes, he is good. And you, when you say current. How do we gently put this to the people listening to the show? Some of the previous Benny the Bulls have run into some uh, issues. That's a that's a minor way to put it. <laughs> we won't get in the details, but a few brushes with the law with our favorite mascot. But you're right, the current guy is great, and they got him hanging from the rafters. Have you seen that? Yes, yeah, so that was crazy, crazy. I could not. I was afraid when you you got to ask. When they saw, when I saw him up there, you got to ask my buddy Claude. I was like, "No, get him down, get him down." <laughs> We're worried for the the life and the safety of a Benny the Bull. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I but, they got him hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, anything could have happened. Yeah, but just a little wire. Who's the? We had a professional wrestler die coming down from the ceiling, right? I thought about that yeah. exactly, Coach. I, I was freaking out. Mm-hmm. This is the best Benny the Bull we've had in a while. As a matter of fact, Claudia also pointed out to me. Did you see the guy with the New York Yankees hat that Benny came up, snuck up on behind, grabbed the guy's hat, and threw it on the ground when he was with the hot girl? No. Was I thought one of the best moments of the game. Really? Yes. Okay. I missed that. That was in game two? Yeah, was game two. All right. Was game it better? Two. Better? Was it better than the kiss cam? Oh, it was much better than the kiss cam, Coach. Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, Benny the Bull, a shocking third place. I was surprised with this one. The Milwaukee Brewer sausages are now third place in most popular mascot according to Forbes magazine. So it took 20 years for the Philly, the Philly fanatics been around for 35 years. Yep. But for the last 20, the Philly fanatics have been better than the chicken. Yes. It took 20 years for the fanatic to get to number one, but it took what? Just a couple of years for the sausages. That's the skyrocket to that's, number three. That's not right. I agree. That's just morally and ethically. It's just not right in the mascot world. Just and I mean, I, I think it, I, there's, there's time for some mascot-on-mascot mascot violence. You know I'm all for it, Coach. <laughs> uh, yes, David. Out of curiosity, where were Ribby and Rhubarb on that list? I believe special mention. Okay. Which is a nice way of saying nobody voted for them. Ribby and Rhubarb. Oh, they're not overrated because nobody rates them very high. Yeah. However, there were a couple of votes, Big Dog, for uh, Marlo Maples the, as the Cubs mascot. It's been a long time, Coach, but... 
Is that her name? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Marva, Marva, what was her name? Marla Maples was married to Don Trump. Yeah, Marla Collins. Mar, Marla Collins. Yeah, she's still got a couple of votes. Maybe, uh, maybe you still have a vote. I don't know. Yeah, it's Tony. They shouldn't put her number on the back <laughs> of her jersey. They should put her phone number <laughs> on the back of her jersey. Uh, must have been Rick Tellender maybe still had a vote. I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, let's quickly go to the NBA playoffs. Big Dog again. Big Dog out on foot in the city of Chicago. Folks, doing the show with the coach here. Two guys and a mic. Phone lines are open at 888-463-6748. Miserable day here in the city of Chicago. We're trying to make it brighter by talking a little sports and more. The coach and the Big Dog at your service. Again, phone lines, 888-463-6748. Big Dog, while we were... Uh, while you left us for that brief moment in time, I talked a little bit about that Celtics-Knicks game yesterday. And just in general, the NBA playoffs early, early have been awfully good, have they not? Yeah, I don't know what it is about the Celtics. It's, it's because maybe they're not that talented and 20% or 90% of the reason why they're a great team is because they just will themselves, you know, and they end up being a great team because of it. Is that why all the games are closed, Coach? Because they're not good enough to put anybody away, but they're so determined that they can play with anybody. Well, I think number one, they are um, they're they're moving at a slightly slower rate than they have the previous couple of years. This is yeah. obvious. So <laughs> I, I don't know that they've got yeah. the ability to put teams. Well, this is a New York Nick team, big dog. That's not that good. They were missing Amari Stoudemire and Chauncey Billups. Yes, yes. Carmelo Anthony, by the way, yesterday, unbelievable. I mean, it's he not hits. Game he hit some amazing shot. Did you watch the final play? No, I did not, Coach. All right. Because, uh, you know, Jared Jeffries got a lot of criticism. I would argue he made the right read, and Kevin Garnett just made a great, great defensive play. But uh, Celtics pulled out 96-93. They go back to New York. Orlando Magic even up their series. And uh, nobody's watching Big Dog. But the Dallas Mavericks beat the Portland Trailblazers. Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay, I will not, Coach. Thank you very much. Uh, Bulls got game four, game three rather, tomorrow at Indiana. We'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow, but uh, any inklings, any thoughts on how you think the two games at Conseco Fieldhouse might go? Uh, honestly, I, I see this game. I, I know that the Bulls are the ones up to nothing, and I'm not trying to be a paranoid Bulls fan, but I see this game as equally as important for both teams because – if the Bulls go up 3 nothing, this game, this series is done, Coach. Even if the Pacers figure out how to win game four, the Bulls will finish them in game five. But if the, the Pacers can make it a, a, a series today, that you never know what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why I really see it as equally as important for both teams. Bulls need to take care of business, not let up, and, and play a great basketball game tonight. Mm-hmm. And Indiana team really could, you know, could go one of two ways, similar to the New York Knicks can go one of two ways now after being beaten in close games to Boston. One, they can be inspired a little bit by how close they were, had the revenge factor, play with a little bit of anger, chip on the shoulder, come back and knock off your opponent. Or sometimes two games in a row when you've been close, big dog, and haven't got it done, there can be that psychological letdown. You could see, could see an Indiana Pacer team flattered in the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, but we got the home cooking going on right now. So I'm going to tell you this straight up. Nobody else has said this, but... Is Tom Thibodeau being outcoached in the first two games? Uh, say it again. Is Tom Thibodeau what? Being outcoached? Possibly. Possibly. So doesn't it seem like the Pacers continue yeah. to do the right thing over mm-hmm. and over and over again? Yeah. Frank Blake. 
Frank Blake 30? I thought it was I thought it was Vogel, Frank Vogel. Oh yeah, Frank Vogel. Is that what his name is or Frank yeah, Blake? He's the interim he's the interim coach. Yeah, 37 the job. 37 years old. I was reading a little wow. bit about this guy doing some biographical stretches, uh you know, while I'm concentrating on the making of the Three Stooges movie, I'm, you know, getting in my biography reading as well, but uh you know, he played a little bit of college basketball, big dog. He met Rick Patino. Met Rick Patino at a five-star basketball camp, he said, for about a minute. And Patino just uh, kind of offhandedly said, hey, man, you ever around the Louisville area? Let me know. You know, we'll see if he can hook you up with something. Guy left his job, moved from out east, moved to Louisville, knocked on the door of the Louisville basketball office, told Rick Patino, here I am, and hung around Louisville. When Patino went to the Celtics, he got hired as the videographer and uh, just stuck with it, stepped along the way, and here he is. 37 years old, he's an NBA coach. Not bad. You know what, Coach? Uh, maybe I'm being a little too braggadocious here, but uh, I, I've admitted my weaknesses many times in life. But if Ron Zook was ever smart enough to give me a, a job on, on his staff within 10 years, I think I could be a head coach of a major university or, or NFL team. Why do you say that? I just really think I could. I really know the game of football. Okay. I really, I mean, I, I'm in a position now where it might be too late to get started. Yeah, but, but there, uh, there, there's a lot of guys who enter in that that beginning level. A lot of guys yeah. to rise to. Don't kid yourself. It's not just a matter of time. It's it's a lot of talent and even more a whole lot of hard work and stick to itiveness too. You don't think I have a work ethic? I don't question your work ethic at all. I, I mean, you give me you give me. Uh, Four weeks with uh, 15 fat boys from Illinois on their offensive line. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, they're going to be shooting off the ball like a bunch of rockets. Coach. <laughs> ah, I got you fired up a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not kidding you, Coach. I, think, I know I could coach offensive line at any level. I think at the NBA level, you would uh, the off-the-court distractions might might be too much for you. NBA, nothing but... Take well, it easy. I can't say I can't say the last word, Take but Scotty Pippen told me that yeah. one. Yeah. By the way, uh, there is Rick Patino and Frank, not Blake, but what's his name? Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, coach. Frank, that, that's not the only guy or girl that Rick Patino has said, "Hey, if you're ever in Louisville, stop and knock on the door." If you know what I mean. Yeah, this is true, coach. Thank you very this much. This is true, but Frank Vogel wasn't a statuesque blonde. Well, actually, he was in his early years. Well, now he's really come far then. Yeah. That's that's how he got the initial invite. Whatever it takes. So. Hey, you know, if you got to make a career change, whatever kind of changes you got to make, it's all in a day's work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, NBA plus art. So you think the Bulls? Are you're picking Game Three to be a, a not critical game, but a very important one? Yeah, yeah, I, I really do, Coach, I, and I, I mean it. I see it as equally as important. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Bulls will still be up two one if they lose, but. Okay. All of a sudden, it's a series, three nothing that gets over. Mm-hmm. It's and over even if the Pacers sneak out game four. I'm not worried about it. NBA basketball expert and sports reactionary, Joel Rodwanski. Joel, two minutes left. Big dog, uh, two minutes left in the show. I got to throw the Bears 2011 football schedule out at you. I went over the schedule earlier today. I got them going 15 and one with a rare loss on the road to New Orleans. But have you had a chance to look at the Bears schedule? I have not, so I cannot wait to hear it. Opening day, September 11th, home against Mike Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. Pretty sweet. Ooh, big game, big game. That's a sweet opener. That's a big game. Yeah. Okay. Game two at New Orleans. Look at the start of the schedule. Game three at, or I'm sorry, home against Green Bay. So Atlanta, New Orleans, Green Bay, back to back to back to kick it off. 
Those are really good football teams to start out the season, Coach. That's no joke. Yeah, and if Jay Cutler is not ready, Todd Collins is going to have to hold down the fort. I don't even find that funny, Coach. Please, I mean, I know we're supposed to like make people laugh on this show, but you're not supposed to get me irate. Sorry about that. Okay. All right, following that, you got well. Here are some of the special games you might be interested in. Monday night, Monday night, October 10 against the Lions. That's a win. Yes, that is. Although Detroit will be much oh, better. Detroit on Monday night. Coach, yep. that's their first Monday yep. night game since. But since Barry Sanders was there in '97, yeah. What do you think? You think the the draw of Nadam Sue is that much? Oh, it, it's, he's the only reason to watch the team okay. as of now. But I mean, I, actually, they're a, if you're a diehard football fan, you can appreciate their defense because their mm-hmm. front seven is excellent. They're, yeah. they're and, back and, four, not so good. And they'll be better next year. Sunday night, mid October. Sunday night, chilly, chilly night against the Vikings at Soldier Field, national TV. Uh, hopefully that's uh, that'll be Brett Favre's final game at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. October 23rd, we already talked about it at Wembley Stadium. You and me will be uh, either in attendance or be doing tea and crumpets watching that game. I'm very excited. I'm really excited too, Coach. Because Thank I'll you be very much. Monday night again, Big Dog, November 7th, Lincoln Financial against the Philadelphia Eagles. Two Monday nighters for the Bears. Uh, that's awfully good, Coach. And uh, well, at Philadelphia, the Bears have had some luck in Philly, Coach. Mm-hmm. I like that matchup. Mm-hmm. And then we got a Sunday night late December home game against the Green Bay Packers. Great schedule in about 15 seconds, Big Dog. The odds that we're actually going to see those games played? 99.6. Four. Point four percent, yes. Beautiful. No, no, no. Four playing the game that yeah, we will four, see. Four. Four Excellent. playing the game. Excellent. So you're basically saying no chance of a strike. God bless you. All right, Dahl, we got to wrap it up. I know you were under undue conditions today. Way to fight through pain and but adversity. I did not come undone. No. Yeah, and I'm perf- about to go work eight hours on my backyard. Thank you, everyone, out there that is helping me. Good luck. Your performance was astute as always. Well, I appreciate it. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com, signing off. Hate to do it.